0: It is my privilege today to be able to conclude our series that we started at the beginning of June called Walk Across the Room. And the purpose of our series has been to talk about that we all have been chosen by God to share the love of Jesus with everyone around us. And the reality is, this is that we don't need to go across the globe or around the world to do this, but sometimes it is simple as. Walking across the room, being aware of the people around us, being aware that every day there are people that need to know who Jesus is each and every day. I want to start off today by diving into what was the theme scripture when God put this series on my heart. And it's in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 14. And here's what Paul wrote. He said this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You see, that's really the crux of where we're at today. How will people know unless somebody tells them? When I was 11 years old, my whole world was rocked as My mom decided to become a Jesus follower, so those who've been a part of the church for a while have heard bits and pieces of this story, but it was really an incredible time. It was a moment that I will never forget because this was not a happy decision for me at the time, I've got to be honest. Not only did it change her life, but my life completely changed, and I did not like it. We went from sleeping in on Sundays to being able to watch football and baseball in the mornings and even just playing with my friends, doing what I wanted to do. Now, I was being forced as an 11-year-old kid to go to church. Maybe you were like me. It wasn't your choice. Your parents made you do it. And my church had a two-hour service where my sister and I, you know, I I still remember this. My my mom was so passionate about God, and she was trying to figure out how to do things, and she would force us to stand and worship for an hour. And when I say force, that's exactly what was expected. I remember if I sat down from, you know, feeling a little bit of fatigue, she'd look at me. She'd give me that mom look and be like, up now. Now, this was not a request. It was a, a demand, and if I did not follow her request, it was followed by intense fellowship after the church service. <laughs> Thankfully, within a few weeks, we discovered there was kids' ministry. Hallelujah. And so my sister and I were allowed to join with other kids in learning about God and Jesus. But the problem was this, and I I have to be honest here today, I was a very precocious child. I loved cutting up and drawing attention to myself. And, And so it seemed like every week I was allowed to go to kids' church that I was also ushered out of kids' church. I was marched to the front of the church by the biggest and meanest elder in the church and made to sit by myself knowing that there would be some more intense fellowship when I returned home. But not only did my mom make us go to church on Sunday mornings, we discovered there was church on Sunday evening too. And then Wednesday nights, we had a special service I went to in Assemblies of God church. So we had a group called Royal Rangers. Anybody that's grown up in PAOC or or Assemblies of God knows about that. Really what Royal Rangers is, it's a Christian version of Cub Scouts where you learn how to tie knots and handle knives and shoot BB guns. I loved it. Start fires <laughs> and put them out sometimes. And memorize scriptures. We would memorize scripture around it. Well, we would receive badges for completing the task. And, uh, that, but, but I continue to be my precocious self. Um, and a lot of it was because I was a hurt kid because my parents had divorced when I was very young and I was just always wanted to seek attention. I just didn't realize that I was getting the wrong kind of attention. Well, this caused the leaders all kinds of grief. And on one Wednesday when they were about to dismiss me from the class, the leader, I still remember his name, his name was Don Kennedy, after praying with me, asked me if I had ever accepted Jesus in my heart. He told me that Jesus loved me and accepted me no matter how bad I had been. And I know I had been bad a lot because people told me all the time. Because he asked me, I decided in that moment to give my life to Jesus. Because of his boldness and my brokenness, my life would never be the same. See, the reality, as I think about life, is that I'm incredibly grateful that somebody had the courage to share the love of Jesus with me. And if we're all honest here, those of us who have a relationship with God, those of us who know Jesus, I believe that we're here today because somebody else had the courage to share with us about the love of God. Over the past few weeks, we've heard some great messages encourage us on the importance of sharing our faith and with others with having a heart attitude of love. But today, I want to talk to you about how you can share your faith with confidence, how you can talk to people about Jesus, how you can share what I call the story. But there are a few challenges that we must address right at the very beginning. And I, and I have to say this, there are, are hurdles that each one of us has to overcome. The first hurdle being fear. That when we talk about sharing our faith, it can feel awkward and scary, especially if it's not something that we do regularly. Most people do not talk about Jesus with other believers let alone their friends, their co-workers, and classmates who do not know Jesus. And here's where I believe that God wants us to start, is that we become comfortable in in, in talking about what God has done in our life with people that also have had God do great things in their life, that we become those people that talk with each other, that we make it a regular thing that we share with each other. Hey, what's God been doing in your life? Here's what he's been doing in my life. And I believe that the more that we do that, the more natural it will become. But we also have to understand this, is that in order to be those who overcome the fear, we need to learn how to lean into the love or lean into God's love. In John, 1 John 4.18, John writes this, Perfect love casts out fear. Well, what is this perfect love? Well, it's the love of Jesus that he gives us. And when we receive Jesus into our life, we don't only receive Jesus, but we receive the love that he has. And what it's saying is that when we're filled with his love, that then we should not have fear reigning in our life anymore. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come at us or doesn't challenge us, but I believe this, the more that you love God, the more you will love people. Or let me put it this way, the more you love God, the more you will die to yourself, your own worries, your own feelings, and you'll overcome the awkwardness so that you can love people more. Because that's really what it's about. But here's the second hurdle that sometimes is a little bit more challenging to overcome. It's called being a bad example. Nothing ruins a person's confidence to share their faith in Jesus than carnal living, It's hard to share about the goodness of God when your lifestyle doesn't back it up. Using foul language, telling dirty jokes, being rude to people will hinder most of us from talking about Jesus. Why? Because we all know that we can't talk about how good he is when we're not showing how good he is. And so I want to encourage you that God today would challenge us to say, maybe where am I at in my life? Because if we live according to our flesh, we will feel guilt and shame and be unwilling to, fear, to, 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 to share. And how do we fix it? How do we fix it if we realize we've had a bad, been a bad example? I first of all believe we just need to repent to God. Say, God, would you forgive me? Secondly, we need to maybe apologize to some people. You know, the way I've been talking to you, the way I've been doing things hasn't been good. And here's the best part. Then we just need to live for Jesus. Be his example. Show people who he is. But here's the last thing, and we're going to camp here for a bit today, that I think is a hurdle, is just not knowing what to share. Many times we do not share with people because we're not sure with what we should share or how we should share it. And I believe this, here's a statement that you can write down. I believe this, that competence produces confidence. When we know something well, it gives us the confidence to talk about it. If you're a tradesperson and you know how to build houses and, uh, and, and frame a house, you're very confident in, in, in building things and telling people, well, here's how you need to do it or here's what you do. Why? Because you have experience at doing it. But if you don't have that same type of skill, you're maybe not as confident in sharing how to do those things. So what do we need to know to share, with, share our faith with confidence? I believe it comes down to knowing what I call the story, which is really two stories. And there are two stories that both center around us, if you can believe it. Well, isn't it about Jesus? It is, but here's what I mean. Here's the first part of the story that we need to know. What did Jesus do for everybody? Or what is his story? What did Jesus do for us? Secondly, what did Jesus do for you? That is your story. And your story is powerful. Every story that we have that is of our own is very unique. But let's start off with what is Jesus' story? Well, what did he do for us? And we have to start off with this. And here's the basic premise that people need to understand if they're going to talk to people about God because this is a big hurdle for many people in the world to overcome. And it's this, that we are all sinners saved by grace. Well, why is that such a big deal? Because there's a philosophy out there, and this is a foundational thing that, that many people try to believe that, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I don't do bad things. I, I, I'm, I'm nice to people. I do my best. I think I have a good heart. And, and so sometimes we, we listen to people and it's like, that, oh yeah, that's right. If you're a good person, it's okay. But here's the reality of it. When we look at the Bible and we study the word of God, here's the foundation that we are all sinners saved by grace. On our own, in our own flesh, we're not very nice. You here would say, you know, I probably sometimes don't say nice things. I don't do the right things. In fact, Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone is sin. All fall short of God's glorious standard. That's the truth. We see it in our nature. It's always working its ways that we want to be mean and naughty and selfish. And if you don't believe me, well, how were you the last time somebody cut you off in traffic? What was your attitude like towards that person? What happens when things don't go your way, or maybe somebody doesn't treat you the right way? What are the things that come out of us? Hey, if we're not careful and we're not living, yielding our lives to the Spirit of God, our flesh wants to come out. Ah and it's not very pretty. But here's the second part we have to understand because of that, because we're all have are sinners or have been sinners, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot pay the price for our sin. You see, you cannot work hard enough. You can't do enough good things or nice things for people. You cannot be good enough. You cannot do enough in your own strength. It is an impossible task to please God out of your own strength. You can try harder. You can do more. You can do all sorts of things, but you will never be good enough to save yourself. And this is where Jesus comes in. See, Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, we, were, we all are infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall. Our sin sweeps us away like the wind. So here's the reality. Well, if that's the truth, then how do we resolve this? Well, we need someone else to save us or pray the price for our sins. During World War II, the Japanese were known for being relentless taskmasters, especially to their enemies. When their occupation of Burma began, which is now known as Myanmar, they forced the British soldiers who were occupied there into forced labor, and they used them to build a railroad through the, com- the country. They were trying to connect one end of the country to the other. And, it's, and, 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 and Burma was a hot Dense jungle where people and objects could easily be lost. At the end of each labor detail, the soldiers would count the tools to make sure that none were missing. The price for a missing tool was the life of one or more prisoners. Very serious. On one such detail, a a shovel went missing and the guards demanded that somebody fess up or they would kill each of the prisoners one at a time until the shovel was found. Well, the commanding officer of the detachment, who is now a prisoner, saw what was happening, and he came forward to confess that he had lost the shovel, sealing his fate but saving the rest of his brothers. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for those who could not save himself, and sadly, only minutes after his execution, the shovel was found. This pales in comparison even to what Jesus has done for us. Jesus paid the ultimate price. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, Jesus paid the price to save us. He came down to earth as a man, lived a sinless life, and then died in our place. And Jesus is the only way to forgiveness and freedom. You see, this is point number four, that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the only way. There's no other ways to God, and that can be a big stumbling block for many people. Most religions don't have a problem with God or a higher power, but they have a major problem with saying that Jesus is the way to God. About 18 years ago, right after the birth of my son, it was discovered that my grandma, Swisher, had developed cancer. I really hate that disease. I don't know about you. And unfortunately, it spread quickly. A few months before she died and went home to be with Jesus, I was able to visit her in the hospital. I was actually on a trip down to Portland for something else, and she happened to be in the hospital right around where I was staying. And when I went to see her, one of the questions that I had was whether she had allowed Jesus to forgive her and be the leader of her life. I knew that she had gone to church from time to time. In fact, the first person I'd ever been to church with was with her. But I knew that neither her nor my grandfather were strong followers, or really even followers at all, because of the way they lived their lives, the way that they did certain things. As well ten years earlier, my grandmother had converted to Catholicism so that she could be buried in the Catholic cemetery with my grandfather. Again, it was nothing about what her belief system was. It was just out of convenience and making things work together for them. See, religion was something that they added to their lives, not followed in their lives. When I asked my grandmother in the hospital if she was going to heaven, her response was this. She goes, you know what, Todd? I was, I was having that same question in my mind. I was having some doubts, so I... I asked the sister, the nun who came by to visit with me, could I be sure I was going to heaven? The nun asked her, well, Pearl, have you been a good person? Have you tried to do the right things? Have you been nice to people? My grandmother said, well, I've done my best. And so the nun responded to her, you have nothing to worry about. God will accept you. Something lit up inside of me. My, gra- my response was, Grandma, that is not true. It doesn't matter how good or bad that you are. What matters is that you have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Grandma, I love you, and I want you to be in heaven. Will you accept Jesus right now? She said yes, and after we had prayed together, She exclaimed, Todd, I see it now. I see the truth. Please make sure you share this with your grandfather. Please make sure he knows the truth. You see, the truth is this we must embrace Jesus' forgiveness and leadership in our life to be saved. Forgiveness is a gift, salvation is a gift, freedom is a gift. We must receive the gift. We either reject it or accept the gift. Romans 10.9 says, how can I be saved? It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. How do we receive Jesus? We admit that we're, we've sinned. We believe that Jesus can save us, and we confess that he is Lord. So that is his story. That's the basics of his story. As we know that and we get comfortable with it, we can share that freely. But what about your story? I believe that God has given each one of you a story to share. We all have things that have gone in our life. Some of us, if we are honest, our life could be a made-for-TV movie. Who would say that that, that's kind of what your life would be? If somebody were to watch it, they'd be like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Others here may not feel like you have an exciting story. Maybe Maybe you've just kind of lived your life and not too much has happened. It's been pretty good, neither good nor bad. But the reality is that we all have a story about how we arrived at the place where we are at in life today, and it has power. However, each of us also, as as a Jesus follower, has a faith story as well. Where were you and what happened when Jesus came into your life? When did it go from religion to relationship? When did you know that you were a believer? I believe this, that we need to become comfortable in telling our story. Why? Because real life stories are incredibly convincing to the validity of a subject, especially when it comes to faith. So how do you tell your real life story? Where do you start? I believe this. We start with what has God done in your life? Who here would be, if you're honest, would say God has done something in your life. He has changed you in some way. He has has transformed you in a way. He's made a difference in your life. That is the beginning of your story. Where has God changed and transformed you? What were you like before Jesus? Maybe this is your story. I was living for myself, having fun, the life of the party. Everything was awesome, but I was feeling empty. Didn't know what I was missing, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. Maybe this is your story, I've experienced much pain, divorce, abuse, broken relationships, loss of loved one, I've made poor choices, and all of a sudden God told me that I'm okay, that he loves me and he forgives me. Maybe your story is this, you grew up in the church, but never had a relationship with God or experienced God. You saw hypocrisy from family members, people in the church, or church leaders, and somehow Jesus made himself real to you in a moment. Or maybe one of my favorite testimonies is, I've served God all my life. He's just always been a part of my life, and here are the awesome things that he's done, one after another. You see, we all have a story, and they're powerful. We need to get comfortable telling that story. What is it that brought you to Jesus? Was it an event? Was it an invitation? Was it a search? But now, what is it? How are things different in your life? Well, I used to have anxiety or depression. Now, I experience joy. Or maybe because of the way I lived, I used to feel incredible guilt and shame, but now I have peace, and I know what it's like to live with freedom. Maybe you used to have emptiness and loneliness, but now you have purpose and relationship. You see, I believe this, that Jesus has done things in all of our life. And I, and I have to say this today. I have, to, I have to shout this out today. Here's a, a young man that, that grew up in a, a broken home with divorce and all sorts of abusive situations and circumstances, was searching for everything in, in life, and God has changed me. God has given me great things. I have a beautiful wife. I have wonderful kids. I'm able to do things and, and talk to people about what God has done. God has changed me and transformed me, and I thank him for that. Your story, I believe, is continuing to be written, but we've got to share our story. One of the places, and I'm going to finish with this I love to, uh, to I love to <clears throat> talk to people. I'm actually kind of an introvert, but when I get around people, and especially if I'm flying on an airplane or getting my hair cut or i'm going to the doctor's office or whatever, I feel like, you know, it's an opportunity for me to talk to people. It's a captive audience, you know. <laughs> if you sit by me on an airplane, you got three to six hours of this guy, you know. He's gonna, he's gonna talk to you a little bit. Hairdresser, maybe it's 30 minutes to an hour. I, I, I don't know. I, you could call it a, a divine appointment, I think, or a God-arranged opportunity. This is just how I live my life. And for those moments, I, I love it because I have a captive audience. They cannot go anywhere. I'm not a stalker. I'm not. Hopefully, it's not creepy but how do you talk to people? Well, how do you begin this? So I, I like to start by asking them questions about, hey, how's your day going? And how are things going in your life right now? And, you know, it's just kind of small talk. But eventually we ask questions about, well, hey, I know you're a hairdresser. Have you always done this job? Have you, have you, has this been what you've done forever? How, what kind of training did you get? You know, it's kind of good to know that just as well. Um, And eventually, we begin to have questions and type, well, do you have a family? What about your family? Here's a universal fact. Most people like to talk about themselves and their family once you break through the facades. Once you get through the, okay, you're not a creepy person. And so for the past year, I'm going to share this, if I can have the keyboard player come up. I've been going to the same hairdresser. And what I've discovered that my hairdresser has not been a hairdresser their whole life. First, they were a flight attendant on an international airline. They enjoyed the travel, but could not get over the jet lag. And because of life challenges and things that happened in their life, it necessitated a change. And they originally weren't even from Canada, but moved to Canada searching for a new opportunity for themselves and their child as a single parent. I found out this person actually attended church for a season, and the church helped them in the beginning, but eventually was they faced judgment and shame from certain members that created a struggle with them in their relationship with God. This was shared because they eventually found out I was a pastor and were curious about my thoughts and my opinions. Can you believe it? What has happened now is each time that I make an appointment, there are are more questions that I'm being asked giving me the opportunity to share what Jesus has done in my life. There have been tears, laughter, even prayers. My hairdresser now calls me pastor even though they don't go to church. And many times schedules two blocks of time for my appointments to ask more questions. I know they're not a Christian yet, but I believe it's only a question of time but here's the cool part. My responsibility is not to make them a Christian. My job is to share the goodness of God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says this, Paul wrote this, I planted the seed in your heart and Apollos water it, but it was God who made it grow. You see, when you understand that our job, our, 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 our thought when it comes to talking to people and sharing our faith with people is, is that, yes, we're to be prepared, but it's not our job to make sure that they make that decision. That's the Holy Spirit. But my prayer today is that we be those people. That God would show us and we would look around us and we'd see the opportunities and the the mass of humanity. Yes, you may not be able to influence everybody, but what if you could influence one person? I'm praying, and this could have been my fourth obstacle, is I believe God has to remove the apathy from our hearts where we just live our lives and it's like, I I don't have time for anybody else around me We need to remove the apathy, but we also have to ask God for the courage. It takes courage. It took courage for Don Kennedy to share with this wild, crazy junior high kid a need for Jesus. It took somebody courage to present Jesus to you. I believe God is asking us, will we do something? What would happen if each one of us reached out to somebody this year this month, this week, maybe even today? What would it be like to see God change someone through your life? What if you realized that walking across the room and talking with another person could change their destiny? Would you do that? Could you do that? And that's really the question today. Will you do it? My heart today is I'm believing God. Let's do it. There's a world that needs to hear about Jesus. There's a world that needs to hear about God today. Will we do it? God, would you give us the courage? Maybe today as you're sitting here and I want to pray in this moment, maybe you're saying, God, would you help me to live my life like this? Could you take me on this crazy adventure? Will you give me the courage to be that person who shares love? I mean, it's not always about preaching in scriptures. Sometimes it's just about talking to people. If God is speaking to you today and you want more of that in your life, would you just raise your hand? I want to be used more, God, like this. I want to do, I want to live my life like this. I want you to use me every day. God, if if you give me the opportunities, I want to see it and I want to go for it. Father God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just stir up our hearts. Lord, that you'd stir up our minds. Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to be filled with your, your precious love, Father God. Lord, would you help us to be those that would just befriend people, that we would just learn how to talk to people, Father God. We would just learn how to be real with people. God, we're not asking for canned presentations, Jesus, but we just want to be able to share with people the truth of your love. God, would you give us that courage to walk across the room, to walk across the lunchroom, to walk across the classroom, to walk across the parking lot, to walk across the store, wherever it is, God, that you lead us, God, would you give us the courage to do that today? And Jesus, I just pray that you would, you would just allow us to be a part of seeing the blessing of people discovering you, discovering you today. In Jesus' name, I pray it. And everybody said, Amen. amen. I gotta ask this last question though, that today I, not only in my message I was able to tell people how to share their faith, but I shared how we can come to know Jesus. That Jesus, because we were sinners, gave his life for us so that we could experience his love and his forgiveness and then be a part of his family. If you're here today or you're listening online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me today. And let's pray this together. Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me, to free me. Help me to become like you. I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. And I receive your free gift of eternal life. Amen. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you. Let somebody know. Tell somebody. Share it with them. And if you're here today, let us know so that we can encourage you and strengthen you and even find ways that we can connect with you. For those of you that are online, if you just send us a, 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 just a, a reply at info at eastsidecitychurch.ca, somebody will connect with you so that you can realize you're just part of a greater family and we don't do this alone. We walk our faith out together. That's the beautiful thing about church community. Well, anyways, I want to say blessings to all of you here today praying that you just have a great day. And and I want to also let you know if you want prayer for anything, you're allowed to come up here after the end of the service. But I want to bless all of you that you'll have the rest of your holiday weekend. It'll be powerful and wonderful. And join us for prayer tomorrow night online at 7.30 if you can. Our link is on our website, eastsidecitychurch.ca. We'd love to see you. God bless you. Have a great day. Be that person. Don't be afraid to walk across the room. God bless.